0: So welcome to the session on the 25th of May, 2019. We've just emerged from a deep meditation, so we're all feeling highly anesthetized. <laughs> Certainly calm. And I'm going to start the session by uh, with a riddle. This is a riddle that um, I concocted in the car this morning driving down from Sydney. So we'll see if we can get this. So, the riddle is this. Who am I? I have been your friend, your best friend, for a long time. When I leave, you leave. When you are agitated, I am agitated. Have you got your fingers on the buzzer? (laughs) When I am calm, sorry, when you are calm, I am long. I'm just scratching my nose. False alarm. I thought the hand was going up. Okay, do you need more clues? All right. That's as far as I got. I figured you'd know it by this stage. All right. It's the breath. very good. Ah, very good. Right. See I've been your friend for a long time. in fact, I would have said I've been your friend for as long as you've been alive, but that would have given it away. Well, that, it would be well, when I leave you leave when i am when you are agitated, I am agitated true mm-hmm. when you are calm, I am long and so what prompted me to think of this? I was driving in traffic through Sydney, and I noticed that i was my breath was very shallow and um I wasn't stressed, I was just observing my breath. And then I was reminded of the uh, teachings within the aspect of yoga called breath yoga that talk about the the importance of cultivating a long and slow breath. And in fact, they say this not only for reasons of mental health, but also physical health. That in the Western society, we tend to breathe in a very shallow way. I don't even know if it's Western. It's just a tendency of people used to breathe in the top part of their lungs. Up here. Now, I've just had bronchitis and Sydney's really polluted at the moment. So I think my shallow breath was in part a desire to not inhale deeply all the pollution in the air. But generally speaking, as you do meditation more, the breath tends to become longer and slower. And in fact, if you monitor your own breath now because you're in a calm state, your breath should be very even and slow. So if you want to close your eyes and just monitor the breath, it should be very even. It shouldn't be jerky or agitated. Now, the point that they get to in yoga is they say that in fact when you come into this life you are allocated not a certain number of years, but a certain number of breaths. Have you ever heard that that statement, that you're given a certain number of breaths? They say that we breathe 21,600 times per day on average. That's, they work that out by multiplying the average number of breaths per minute by the number of breaths in a day. Now if people, if you're very agitated, the breath tends to be shallow and short, so you're actually breathing more than that number of times per day, and therefore by their analysis you are shortening your life. Now if we apply Western science to that, what could they be talking about? stress, Stress. Stress, exactly so that sort of makes sense doesn't it, intuitively it's intuitive that if you're you're stressed you're probably not going to live as long and there's plenty of science to support that so what's the opposite of stress, it's this deep abiding sense of calm that we are generally cultivating through our practices which in essence should and I have to say the next statement is all other things being equal should contribute to a longer life if you're in a calm more relaxed state generally if that's your default state that you're beginning to cultivate then you should have a healthier longer life because there is no room for stress within that paradigm so then the question is how do you retain how do you develop a longer breath how do you develop how do you practice how do you cultivate um, a calmer breath meditating, well meditating helps and also the other one is mindfulness which is although strictly speaking mindfulness doesn't seek to change the breath it just simply asks you to passively monitor it but what I would be saying is through my you know, revelation today that whenever you're in a situation where you have time to contemplate the direct breath and driving is a fantastic opportunity to do that. I know a few of you do the long haul drive to work or to tr- travel somewhere. See whether you can remember next time you're driving rather than having the radio on or having your head full of thoughts and noise. Spend the time just being with breath as you're driving and a couple of things happen again I observed you get a lot more tolerance, you become a lot more tolerant as a driver because if you're in a calm state there's not really any room for road rage is there? So that if everyone did this I feel like if we could you know how in times of emergency the state can tune into all radio stations and broadcast a message like right, you know War of the Worlds. <laughs> so if, every, if you could tune in to everyone in the cars that are experiencing whatever degree of agitation and just say, "All you people out there, now it's time to just return the awareness to the breath. Well, how is your breath right now? If you could get everyone, I mean I know this is never going to happen, but as a, as a, as a thought experiment, If you could induce within a mass population of drivers on the road an awareness of long, slow, even breath, I guarantee that the whole road behavior would be transformed. People's alertness would be enhanced. They would be present. So this is what awareness of breath gives us. It gives us, ultimately, grounding in the present moment. And in fact, I love this idea that when you come into this life, we are automatically, we're not equipped with very much at all. But one thing we're equipped with is a metronome. It's the steady, repetitive and absolutely reliable phenomenon of the breath moving in and out and that metronome accompanies everything that we do every thought every word every action is accompanied with breath and so the my simple message today is to reacquaint yourself with this very grounding and very life affirming process of returning awareness to the breath not just in meditation as we did before but in every waking moment where you can remember to do it you need to do nothing more than a return awareness to the breath to fundamentally transform yourself at every level cellular energetic emotional mental physical it's so simple and yet so profound and powerful And because the breath has another aspect, being the metronome. Uh, in fact, I was reflecting this week on why we have music. Do you ever think about how it is, why it is that every culture has music? What is it about music that because we love? You escape from, it takes you away from your from day-to-day bits. From the noise in your own head, I think. Music is, it provides us with a respite, with a another place to be, other than the internal dialogue. That's, I mean, there are many reasons why I like music. But I think fact if you looked across all cultures, there is that unifying principle that music is a form of creative expression. Yes, it carries messages. Yes, it carries melodies which are pleasing. That's true as well. But isn't there a fundamental property of music? And that is that while anyone is engrossed in music, they're completely in that moment. They're completely present so I'd say if you can't meditate at least me- listen to music all the time and if you, and if you can listen to music all the time choose music that isn't like death metal <laughs> that will probably agitate you a little bit calm music music will calm the savage beast so that's just a, a couple of observations that I have now if if that's true then what about breath what about an absence of music? You know, do you ever know people that always have music on in their house? It's like to the point where sometimes you just feel like saying, do you mind just turning that off? It's, and they don't even notice it's there. It's another form of preoccupation that they feel. A... My mother used to listen to the radio all the time because she said she felt like it kept her company. And, and I think there's validity in that, but I also felt like, can't we just have quiet? <laughs> so w- when there's quiet, that's when you get back in touch with the true presence, assuming you're not caught straight back in the mind, which is obviously not where you want to be. But if you could have quiet and awareness of the moment, you've been reading um, Eckhart Tolle, right? The power of now. This is essentially all that he's saying. There is such power in this moment, such, it's pregnant with possibility. This is the amazing thing about the now, is that everything comes out of now. Everything cannot be any other way. The universe continually reinvents itself in every moment from the presence of being. So the breath is our anchor, it's our way back. To that, to that reality, to that experience. And so, one thing that we can do before we meditate, we can just do what we did before and just bring the awareness to the breath, and that's very good, and did you find that that was a nice place to be, to start the meditation? Because it's like a, a launch pad into the deeper state of stillness, is that it gives you a, a point of uh, reference. But, and in fact, this is where we get into the calming effect. When the breath is calm, the mind is calm. You know this now. When the breath is agitated, when I am agitated, you are agitated, right? So the point there is, what happens if the mind is agitated and you want to bring the mind into a position of calmness? Is that somebody's phone? That that's mine because I forgot to leave it in the castle. Can you put it on? Is that, that silent? silent? Okay. If I right. put on airplane mode, it won't won't come through then? Do you no. mind doing that? No, not at all. Okay. <coughs> when the mind is agitated, when the breath—sorry, well, when the mind is agitated, the breath is shallow and erratic. This is a fundamental thing that we can observe. Next time you're you're agitated. See whether you've got enough presence of mind. You only need a scintilla of awareness to, to remember what I'm telling you now. Quickly go and look at the breath. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you guys don't get ag- agitated anymore. But if you did, hypothetically, remember to go and just say, oh yeah, I'm going to just see what my breath's doing now. And you will see that the breath is shallow and it is uneven. It's that's easy to see it in other people, though, isn't it? Do you I see do. it in other people? Yeah, I do. Right. But, but I'm my own enemy when it comes well, to Well, but you're, you're not agitated anymore, so maybe <laughs> that's the <thing. laughs> okay. You can see it in other people. Yep. Yep. You know, it's yep. like <laughs> stress. I'm so stressed. Like <laughs> Tommy does this throwing up, he goes, <laughs> like that. How do you know how to do it? You're never stressed. <laughs> well I'm role, never really stressed <laughs> I'm role playing. I'm role right. playing. I'm I'm imagining yeah. right. So <laughs> now so here what I'm trying to unlock here is a dynamic that you can apply. <clears throat> when you are stressed like that and you not recognise that you are stressed, the so first part of dealing with stress is recognising that you're stressed. Some people are so stressed that they don't even know they're stressed. It's so habitual that it's their natural state. And someone says, boy, you're really stressed. And they go, oh, yeah. And then they get more stressed because now they're stressed about being stressed. Or I'm so not stressed. Right. What do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean I'm stressed? (laughs) (laughs) But here's here's the little secret. If in that moment that you identify the state of stress, anxiety or whatever it is, go to the breath and now consciously start to breathe slowly and long. Long, slow breaths. Now remember, this is the breath that accompanies a calm mind. So, could it be that by engineering the breath, modifying the breath through a conscious practice, we can actually bring the mind into a state of calmness? What do you think? Must be be so. And that's what the yogis discovered, was they were going, so you can imagine like three thousand years ago some yogi sitting by the fire and he's just breathing and being really calm and then he says to the yogi sitting next to him ramdev have you ever noticed how when your mind's really calm your breath's really calm and ramdev goes as a matter of fact i have in fact i was just thinking the very thing and he goes what is that And Ramdev goes, well, it's the breath-mind dynamic. When the breath is calm, the mind is calm. And then his friend goes, well, do you think if we simulated the experience of a calm mind, so we're not in a calm mind yet, but if we were to create the accompanying bodily phenomena that accompany a calm mind, do you think the mind might become calm? And Ramdev goes, well, let's try it. And that's how they invented pranayama, right? it's just this idea of control of the breath and they go okay we're going to start with an agitated mind but we're going to introduce a breath sequence that is um, accompanies a calm mind and what does that breath look like? it's a long slow even breath and so this is when this is what you do. You just breathe with awareness. Oh, the other thing about the breath when it's calm is it's silent. Do you, know, do you know people that are heavy breathers, that are really loud breathers? As the mind becomes more refined, the breath becomes more refined. So when you're breathing, you shouldn't really be able to hear the breath. So, try and breathe now completely silently. See if you can. I know, Jan, you've got a bit of a cold, have you, at the moment? No. you're okay. okay. <laughs> so, we'll just try and breathe and listening, seeing if we can breathe comp- like you're a spy, right? And you're creeping around and you can't even make a sound with the breath. Your life might depend on it. Okay, can you do that? So that's the long, slow, silent breath. And then you can say to the breath, I know you, you're the long, slow, silent type. You feel the calming effect of that? The think is going to start that stage further and link that to that. Like heart rate. Blood pressure and definitely blood. well so see so the thing is this when you induce a state of calmness through the breath in this practice and i'm going to give you some more practices in a minute but this is just the fundamental one is just watching the breath and then gradually using a little bit of intention try and lengthen it make it a little bit longer make it a little bit more even make it a little bit quieter so to begin with we're going to try we're doing that using willpower, a little bit of willpower. So you just make it go a little bit longer. And lo and behold, the mind gets a little bit calmer. You see that? Now when the mind becomes calmer, of course the blood pressure is going to drop. The heart rate is going to drop. Blood pressure and heart rate are just analogs to whatever the state of arousal is. High state of arousal, high blood pressure, high heart rate. So now here's a, then. Then they went one step further. These two hypothetical yogis. <clears throat> one of them said. Do you notice that sometimes during the day you're breathing through one nostril and not the other? And the other one goes, no, I've never noticed that. And he goes, well, it's true. If you get your mobile phone out, although they didn't have a mobile phone, what would they have had back then? A cold rock? A flat, cold piece of rock. And they breathe into it like this. And you can see the condensation on there. Can you see that? And that's pretty even. Mm. Because I've been meditating. Yours will be like that too. But in various various parts of the day, this is this is called Swara Yoga. S W A R A. In Swara Yoga, they are intensely interested in the quality and the. Uh, I was gonna say periodicity but that's just way too long a word for what I'm trying to say.
1: I'd have to look that the up. The
0: regular, yeah, don't look it up. The this, the rhythm of the breath. They're very interested in the rhythm of the breath, the quality of the breath, also the which nostril is active at any given time. So which which nostril is more active now in right. you? You can either do it like this. Okay, so every 90 minutes, one of the two breath channels becomes more dominant than the other. Now, <clears throat> there's an esoteric underpinning to this, you know, the chakras that sit in the, the uh, subtle nervous system, the seven, well, there's more, but the seven major ones. Then you've got two, then you've got the central channel, the sushumna nadi. When we do the Kundalini breathing and we go up and down the spine in that breathing sequence, we're breathing with uh, in visualization up the Sushumna. Then each side of the Sushumna, you've got two other subtle secondary channels called the Ida and the Pingala, which crisscross through the seven chakras. All right now, this corresponds to the they, the chakras correspond to nerve plexi plexuses. The two nerve channels, subtle nerve channels, correspond to the sympathetic and the parasympathetic aspects of the nervous system. So the sympathetic nervous system is the one, it's like the accelerator in your car. So when the sympathetic nervous system is activated, heart rate increases, blood pressure increases, pupils dilate, Uh, there's uh, there's blood supply going to the muscle so it's precursor to the flight or flight response so that's, your, that's your sympathetic nervous system that's the accelerator fortunately we also have a parasympathetic nervous system which is antagonistic it works as the opposite and in the car analogy it is the brake okay now why would you need a parasympathetic and a sympathetic nervous system why couldn't you just have one it speeds up and slows down what's the advantage of having an antagonistic balance your heart balance you well actually what it does is it gives the body a more um, concerted means of either arousing or de-escalating arousal so it's like saying, why does a car need a brake and an accelerator? Couldn't you just have an accelerator and take your foot off it? And the answer is, yeah, you would slow down. But if you want to slow down better, you apply the brake as you're decelerating. So this is how these two aspects of the nervous system work. They're antagonistic. And when you want to accelerate, foot comes off the brake and you put the foot on the gas. Okay, now it's exactly the same dynamic in our system. Now the Ida and Pingala are the subtle nervous channels that correspond to the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. The left channel that comes out through the left nostril is linked to the right hemisphere of the brain and to the parasympathetic nervous system, the one that is slowing it down. So when the parasympathetic nervous system is activated, blood pressure drops breathing becomes low, slow, long. Are you with me? And when the sympathetic nervous system is activated the breath does the exact opposite. Right, so this is, this is called, this is sort of like the science of yoga breath, breath yoga. Tied to a little bit of modern science so that it makes sense. Now, when you do certain breathing exercises this is called the science of pranayama. Prana is the life force, yama is control model. So the control of the life essence, which is essentially carried through the breath, is governed and mediated by pranayama. So have you done pranayama in yoga? Mm-hmm. You've all done some pranayama. I'm giving you a little, probably a little more than what they give you normally in pranayama, where they just say, breathe like this, breathe like that. Well, they say this is calming. I'm telling you why it's calming. It's calming because you're activating the parasympathetic nervous system. And at the same time, you are deactivating the sympathetic nervous system. So it has a dual effect. Now, we get to the alternate breath. What is it about every 90 minutes in a healthy person? The breath will activate through one nostril and not, and then be less than another and the answer is it's because each of these subtle nerve channels is coming into play so it, roughly every hour and a half the body does a switch the subtle body does a switch and you will move to a more active mode and an inactive mode and the best proof of that is if you're lying awake in bed at night and you can't get to sleep try as you might, you can't get to sleep well there is a cycle a sleep cycle, do you know about the sleep cycle? and you have to catch it at the point where it's moving back into sleep if you're trying to go to sleep when you've missed that point then unless you've got good sleep control or you can do some techniques, you've got to wait until that sleep cycle comes back again. And for the rest of the hour and a half or however long it is, you're just lying there cursing because you can't go back to sleep. And that's the reason is because you're already out of sync with that cycle. So these cycles are important. What I'm talking about is important for the maintenance of good health because when you understand them, you can begin to manipulate them through the yoga techniques, you know, you've read stories of how yogis can make their hearts stop beating. They have great control over the body and also the mind, of course. But the reason that they do is because they've spent millennia essentially studying all these dynamics and they've codified them into practices. And so pranayama is the codified practice of the control of the breath or life force through the breath. So that's a little bit of a Bit of theory now i'm going to give you some practice and i think i've already taught some of you the alternate nostril breathing or you've done it in hatha yoga so let's do a little bit of that and you'll see what i'm saying so classically you use the fourth finger and the thumb i know a lot of people find that hard but as best as you can the thumb controls the right nostril using the right hand the thumb controls the right nostril and no leakage, okay? When you block it off, it's got to be sealed, but not uncomfortably so, but sealed. And the fourth finger, the ring finger, controls the left nostril. And we're going to pivot using the wrist. And we always start on the left side. This is, again, the classical tradition. So you're breathing in from the left. Close off the left and breathe out through the right. through the right and out through the left. That's one round. Now in through the left, out through the right, in through the right, Up through the left. Okay, continue to breathe in this way, and through the left, through the right, and through the right, and out through the left. now here's what you want to be looking for so that's the basic practice now I want you to try and do it silently now to do it silently <coughs> requires a little more skill because now I'm assuming you don't have sinus issues or, or blocked, blocked sinuses today but when you try and do it silently you notice that You need more attention. That's a good thing because we're trying to bring awareness to the practice. If I just said in, out, in, out, your mind could be, you know, with the shopping list or whatever. But if I say do it skillfully, silently, now you've got a task. You've got to just demonstrate competency to yourself, not to me. So you try it again now and the aim is silence. the breath slows down you have to do it longer breaths and the reason is because if you have to be silent you've got to really control the amount of breath going through the nostril and if you go too fast you're gonna make a noise to do it slowly you've got to really control the flow to control the flow means you've still got the same volume of air that you've got to get through But you're going to have to take more time to do it so you don't make a noise. And that means immediately by just making it silent, you've lengthened the breath. Is that true? Is that what happened? Try it again. is that if you're trying to do it silently when I say try, you know, using minimum effort you shouldn't be beating yourself up over this but if it's silent it's also going to be even more likely it'll be an even steady breath so you've achieved two objectives straight up a longer breath and a more even breath are you feeling a change in how you feel right now having just done that practice? feel any different showing more calm even calm try it again we'll do two more rounds and you do, and make sure if you can sit up straight for this practice i'm going to give you some further enhancements as we go through this we're going to add each time we're going to add another enhancement so we want to optimize this practice for you today i want you to become really competent and um, um, proficient. So breathing in through the left, through the right. Holding the form of awareness with the breath. And in through the left. Out through the right. In through the right. Out through the left. Close your eyes, lower the hand observe the condition of the mind should be calm and centered okay open the eyes starting to feel the effects now of the practice you can actually get quite intoxicated doing this that's a cheap form of intoxication um, now another enhancement so the first enhancement is silence keep it silent second enhancement is a straight back third enhancement now I'll give you two more enhancements left hand touch the finger and the thumb together that's called the chin mudra if it's uh, facing up do you know how people meditate like that that's the chin mudra if it's facing down i've recently found out having not known the difference all my life that's called jnana mudra jnana mudra and this is chin mudra it's the same mudra did you know that Mm-mm. yeah see it's kind funny of what you find out after all this time there's still we don't know even us so what's the significance of up and down um uh, So they are different, technically different mudras, so they carry different energies. So naturally, although I try to do this, I naturally... Jnana mudra is the mudra of knowledge. Jnana is knowledge. I don't know what chin, chin is consciousness, I Mm -hmm. suppose, awareness. Anyway, we do chin mudra with this. So that's that's the third enhancement. What that does is it closes an energy circuit in the hand. So, what we're doing with pranayama is we're trying to contain the energy, channel the energy. We're trying to channel the energy. This will deliver us into tremendous states of stillness. Th- uh, the fourth enhancement, which is closing another energy circuit, is you touch the tip of the tongue to the roof of the mouth. Do you know about this? You know that? So, we do both together. That's the fourth enhancement. The fifth enhancement is you hold the awareness at the third eye so you are aware of the breath but once the breath is very even and systematic and silent you gradually bring the awareness to rest here so you want to try it now with those three additional enhancements so we're breathing in through the left so left hand is in chin mudra tongue is gently touching the roof of the heart palate and the awareness is with the breath but gradually progressively going to the third eye and then you will begin And finish with the next left exhalation. Carlo, get down. <laughs> okay, now just keep your center for a minute. Come out slowly because this, this is actually an incredibly powerful technique. It might seem pretty simplistic, but it's having a profound effect on mind-body complex. Okay, two more enhancements. You're starting to feel the intoxication, starting to feel the deep calming effect. Okay, another enhancement. This is a very important one. Breathing should be occurring abdominally. If you weren't already doing that, then ensure that the diaphragm is contracting fully. And expanding out fully on the inhalation, and coming right in on the exhalation. This this is probably one of the most important characteristics of skillful, proficient breathing in yogic breathing. It's always abdominal. Uh, so let's try it with that one, and then there's one other enhancement after that. So again, so left hand is in chin mudra. Tongue is on the roof of the mouth. The awareness is at the third eye. Back, neck, spine is straight in alignment, and we're breathing abdominally and we're breathing silently. On the inhalation, you allow the belly to inflate for me as a pot on the exhalation coming right in so there's nothing left Finish with the left exhalation, keep the eyes closed. Keep the awareness in the region of the third eye. Tongue can still be on the roof of the mouth, and the fingers in chin mudra. As you continue to breathe in and out, imagine you're breathing through the region in the third eye. And see if you can start to feel energy in that area warmth or tingling or some pressure. should not be pain but it should be some sensation. Or otherwise just a deep sense of calm. And then you can come out you're starting to feel a deepening occurring, it should be getting a little more and more profound you you should be feeling very inward good now the final enhancement well there's many more but is that we count the breath So the classical, well let me just start with a rudimentary, we'll do a rudimentary, um, eight counts in and eight counts out, that's basic, so we'll do that first. So start again, now the eight counts is your full breath, okay, so you time how long a count is. And you adjust the count to the length of the breath so that by the end of it that you can't breathe in anymore, that's eight. And when you're breathing out, and there's nothing left, that's eight. Diaphragm's fully contract. And it's very important to do this gently, really gently. We're not trying to use any exertion or effort, even though we're sort of going to the limit. It's a comfortable limit. If at any point you feel like you're breathless or you're straining, then you've got to back off. This has to be a very pleasant, if maybe slightly unfamiliar practice. It should not be unpleasant. if it's pleasant, you know that you're doing it right. the left exhalation okay now we'll try the next enhancement but this is one for you to take home and practice because you're going to have to really feel comfortable with this one if you want to continue it. if not just do what we did last time just doing 8 in and out to begin with this breath, by the way, is called Nadi Shodhana, so it's the, or it's also called Aniloma Viloma. And it's basically a very purifying breath, excuse me, that has a very calming effect on the nervous system, but it is also clearing out uh, accumulated stresses in the subtle nervous system. Remember, when we talked the other time about um, when we were doing yoga nidra, about the Im- embedded impressions of scars. This can actually, this practice can really greatly facilitate that practice as well or that uh, outcome those outcomes right so here's the final enhancement Uh, now the caution that comes with this is if you have high blood pressure that's not being treated and therefore not being kept within a safe uh, range then you shouldn't do this to doing this I'm referring to as a retention of the breath we hold the breath as part of the cycle and the holding of the breath and, and this is the classic cycle and by the way, the way they discovered this is because this is exactly what the breath appears to do when you're meditating and again they reverse engineered it they've taken what they've observed in meditation and said if we recreate it voluntarily can we bring about the same state? and the answer is resoundingly yes but the the ratio they're all different ratios but the one of the ratios that is very um, highly revered is 1-4-2 have you heard of the 1-4-2 ratio? ok so now we're getting into a little bit of the advanced stuff so 1 is the in-breath but it's not necessarily 1 fast because remember we're trying to do it slowly and silently the 1 is a block count so for you 1 might be 4 1 4 2 means that if that's the case then the 4 becomes 16 and the 2 becomes 8 because that's still 1 4 2 got it? the inhalation will be as many counts as it needs to be to fully inflate the abdominal region and then up through the yoga breath into the chest so in my case I'll, you can just watch this see for me one is eight Right. So that means that my ratio is, it's still, the ratio is 142, but my count would be 8, 32, in, hold for 32, and breathe out for 16. Now that's a pretty powerful ratio, and I'm not suggesting you need to push to that yet. In fact, you can go one eight to later on, the idea is that you try and increase the retention period more and more. Because then you're activating the Kundalini. Any breath retention called Kumbhaka is a great activator of the meditative energy that's in the base of the spine, in the Muladhara chakra. So this is why we do it. So you're getting multiple simultaneous effects you're getting the cleansing purification effect you're getting the calming effect on the mind you're getting the awareness getting drawn especially if you do the third eye deeply into an internal state and finally you're activating the kundalini energy so and then not to mention the effects you're having on blood pressure and you know plasma cortisol and all the physiological effects and benefits you're getting so one practice one practice, one ratio done with, uh, um, with diligence, with uh, care, is going to yield you a plethora of benefits. It's even said that you could probably, I think, obtain enlightenment through this process of just this one practice alone, if you did it consistently and for long enough. But we don't need to do that. We just need to do, to be honest if you could do 20 rounds a day of what I'm about to show you that will be ample and it will absolutely accelerate turbocharge your practice but remember the big caveat this is in red lights with red lights around it flashing do not strain if at any point you feel that you're overexerting yourself if you're getting headache if you're getting breathless, so that you're retaining beyond your capacity, these are all the signs that you're overdoing it and you must back off. If you find that you're getting a headache, you might even just not do it for a few days just to get everything back. And then start again more gently, not as ambitious. This is not about, there's no gold medal for this. The gold medal is you're doing it perfectly in accordance with what your capability is without too much more. You might find that you want to, over time, you might try and increase the count. Remember, you're trying to still keep the ratio the same. So day one, you might go four in, hold for 16, out for eight. That would be perfectly fine. But Let's say you've been doing it for a few years. You might be doing 32 on the in-breath, 128 hold. And sixty-four out—that would be extremely advanced practice. And no one's saying you should do that. But let's try it: one, four, two. Why don't you determine what you think your in count is going to be? Just count it out. First, just do it without counting. Just do one in breath, and remember, you're trying to fill the kumbak of the pot and then you're bringing it up to the middle of the chest and up to the lungs and that's an inhalation. All right. How many counts is that for you? (laughs) Is it eight? I don't know. It's eight for you. Five. Oh, that's an odd number. Okay. You can do that. So Mm. that you would then be five, 20, 10. Right, still giving, it's still giving you one four two. Mm. Right, so what we're going to try now is one four two. What was yours, Jan? 6. Mm-hmm. 6, so you'll be 6, 24, 12. 8. So 8, 32, 16. I stuffed it up. <laughs> Alright, <laughs> you work working out. And Jenny? Yeah, I only did four or five or something. Okay, so whatever it is that's comfortable, work it out on what the in-breath is, and then just adjust the others accordingly. But that's the key. Now, why is 142 good? It's a magical number in the sense that that ratio will give you profound peace. Well, it officially feels like you're meditating. It do is. Because anyway, you're, you're in the moment. Well, we've been meditating as well, remember, yeah. so we've already got that on our side. Normally we do this the other way around. We do this before we meditate. And that will ease out all the noise and you'll go into a much deeper, um, more peaceful meditation. Okay, so just keep on. So this time. is the one to do if you wake up in the middle of the night. You can do this then. Yeah. This is the balancer. Now, yeah, and thank you for saying balance because what this does, what the this breath does is it equilibrates, it equalises the when you equalize the breath through both nostrils you're equalizing the activity through both of those subtle nerve channels the Ida and Pingala, the Sun and Moon channel when you equalize the uh, activation of the Sun and Moon channel or the Ida and Pingala you are equalizing the activity in the left and right hemispheres of the brain because it's all linked together And what I want you to understand this is all linked together breath. Energy, neurological state, is all part of the one whole. And so when the two hemispheres of the brain are uh, equalized, the activity in them, probably the blood flow, because that's how we measure it with uh, MRI scans, then you, that corresponds to a very profound state of karma. Can you do it lying down? Then, too, yep, you can do it lying down. The only caveat is the back should be straight. We don't want any kinks in the hose. All right, that spinal, that sushumna nadi, should be straight. Otherwise, you can bring about aggravation of the system. It's important to do it right. Okay, we we don't have much time, but let's do. Why don't you try three rounds, one, four, two, at your own rate, whatever that count will be. But in try with the retention. Oh, sorry, I forgot to say, when you retain, you close both nostrils. So no air escapes. So there's no cheating. No cheating. Mm -hmm. All right. And what we're trying to do is hold the energy into the system. Okay, so we'll do it now. Now, again, please, very easy, no strain. If it feels too much, you back off. If you think five's too much on an in count, drop it back to four or three. Okay, so we'll do three rounds. You're on your own now. Chin mudra, tongue on the roof of the mouth. Uh, The awareness is at the third eye. And we're counting. Finish with the left exhalation. Keep your eyes closed. Keep the awareness of the third eye. Just observe the inner state, the degree of energy in the system. find that a bit too strenuous i got really hot yeah you can i I feel like i pushed you too hard then so but i'm glad that you followed your own instincts on that i was doing four sixteen eight and Mm. the sixteen was like hurry up yeah (laughs) yeah so i mean that that probably was an example of pushing it a bit hard but you did the right thing you pulled back so that's I'm giving you. This is like the classic technique with all the enhancements. Now, what you can do is decide where you want to start with this. You might just say, "I'm just going to do eight eight like we did first, and forget about the re- retention." Is the one that really takes this to another level, but you have got to be ready for it because that's one four two. I mean, if you just start with that, one four two can line. work. But even retention is a bit can be a bit dicey. Particularly if you don't have a good diet, if you're not exercising and other factors in your life are a bit out of whack, retention is generally not recommended too much. But I just wanted to show it to you just so that you can see where these practices can take you. And do you get a feeling of the power of the practice, do you get a sense of that? It's a very potent thing. Mm, yes. I can imagine it would be. Yeah. The more you got used to it yeah, yeah it'd be really powerful yeah it's extreme yeah. and you d- I used to do it for 20 minutes at a time like uh, 16 64 or what was it uh, one eight 32, 16 for 20 minutes and you are high as a kite mm-hmm. and it's great you know if you've got the circumstances where you can do t- and I'm not saying you should aim for that and uh, or anything. But if you do it for months at a time, every day, uh, in a very disciplined way, you will get incredible benefits from this. I think they say you should only start with three rounds maximum. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I'm. This is you all about self-pacing. You have to self-pace, and I I would prefer you don't do this at all mm. than if you did it and overdid it, because you really you can overcook the neurology if you do it too fast. All right. But anyway. It will warm you up. In fact, that's a great sign that um, one of the signs is it will create heat. That's where the Kundalini is getting activated. You'll get heat happening. So that's a sign that you're actually really deactivating something there. But anyway, so let's just back up right off from there. You go away, play around with it in a sense of apply it to your own practice and see what is comfortable for you. And start with that. Stay right within your comfort zone. And even if you just do three rounds of 8-8, eight eight, try that for a week. Which you say is best, though, just doing the even one without holding your breath, or try and do less without hold your breath? Um, I would do... If you were just starting from scratch, I wouldn't do any retention at all. So don't hold your breath. Mm. Just do even with no breath retention you could pause at the top and you, you can, can slow at the top then before you, you will naturally pause anyway but you're not trying to retain it for a count mm. well, and the other thing is when you're meditating just notice what your breath's doing it mm, always drops it drops but i bet you if you become attentive to this i found that my breathing during meditation is naturally in one four two. 4 Yep. You notice that? I've noticed over the years that it sort of, um, it, it, it holds, it, it stops in between the breaths yep. naturally. But the other thing you notice is that the out-breath is much longer than the in-breath when you're meditating. And this is how the yogis figured it out. They just, they saw it and they went, wow, we're all finding the same thing. We're all getting one four two I wonder what that is must be just a natural rhythm corresponding to a meditative state what if we go and direct the breath to do that in the waking state what will happen then and they found what we just found but yeah so just to summarize then um, try just even count countings good though because it gives you a it, it regularizes the practice This it's not haphazard like I'll breathe in for however many I think and then I'll breathe out however I want it no, this is a more refined thing, you can do the tongue on the roof of the mouth, the chin mudra are not going to stress the system there are other things I mean if you want to go um, this is just for the sake of completeness but not for you to practice there are other things you can do called bandhas where you actually constrict the um, um, muscles at the anal center um, and then you um, hold the this is during a retention you bring the abdominal muscles in and then you bring the in, going into a chin lock that's called the mula bandha so that's like the that it's designed so you've got all that energy and then you lock it in and that's designed to totally awaken kundalini that you can totally blow your brains out with that as well so but these are the advanced practices they apply retention plus the bundas bundas are locks all right so i'm just giving you the full story what what the what highly advanced looks like I mean you can generate cities from that you know they say levitation all that stuff comes from doing these kind of practices you know all the advanced supernatural powers emerge when you get control of that light force but I'm, I, I don't expect that we will ever get to that necessarily you never know someone could start levitating around here tomorrow but um, that's basically it so that's pranayama that's an example and the breath we did today was, nodi shadana, uh, Nadi Shodhana. Nadi Shodhana, Shud in Sanskrit means pure. Shodhana is a derivation of that, which means purification. Nadis are the subtle nerve channels, seventy-two thousand nerve channels. So Nadi Shodhana is the purification of the subtle nerve channel. Okay. That's a lot to take in. (laughs) Thank you. you See you next week.